Hi, this is Track Changes, the official podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. My name is Paul Ford. I am the co-founder of Postlight and the co-host of Track Changes. And I'm Rich Ziotti, the other co-founder of Postlight. It's good to see you, Paul. You're kind of putting it together right now. Just getting my day started. I know, I know, I know. What does Postlight do, Paul? Postlight is a place that if you come to us and you say, hey, I need to build a web app. I need to build a mobile app. We go, okay, tell us what you need. And we start talking about your business and we figure things out and we talk about uh, the kind of work you do and the problems and challenges you're facing. And then we figure out what you really need, which sometimes you just need a little work. You need like a couple weeks of somebody fixing something up for you. But sometimes you need like a big old web platform that can handle transactions and deal with commerce and yeah. do all the tricky stuff that then gets when somebody opens up the beautiful app in their hand, they're accessing that platform, actually. That's how businesses work today. Yeah. That's the other thing. I want to say one more thing about PostLight without like layering it on too thick with the marketing. Uh, sometimes we, ha- we do high-scale, really complicated, big, meaty platforms, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah, no, things that like 20 million people can hit yes. in a day. And people think we're just making little sort of three-of-a-kind games, but that's not the deal here. Pe- people aren't thinking about okay. us, which is why All right, we enough do about us. Okay. All right. We've got a guest today. Who is our guest? Hi. Uh, our guest today is Jen Derry. Welcome, Jen. Hey, Jen. Hi. Hi, guys. How are you? So good. Jen, who are you? What do you do? Paul, I'm Jen Derry, and I run Plucky, which is a tiny consulting firm out of Berkeley, California. And I'm a leadership coach and consultant for companies about their people. Look, this is one of those kind of spongy jobs, like life coach, wink, nod, okay? Totally. So what do you do all day, actually? Can I ask that first? Yeah, sure. Uh, that's so funny because in a biz dev call the other week, someone was like, so I just want to make sure you're not full of bullshit before I hire you. <laughs> I think it's a fair question. It's a fair question. Yeah. I think every, I I'd be, I get that question all day, frankly. <laughs> so, uh, I, half my day is spent coaching. It's all remote on Google Hangout. So I coach members of leadership teams. Sometimes I do office hours for employees who are, they just need somebody to work through a thing that's going on at work. So people are like, I have a problem. Can you help me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the other half of my time, I travel to companies to do employee experience audits or come teach workshops. I love doing annual retreats. Like I'll lead them and teach workshops about how to have hard conversations or how to build your own career path, stuff like that. All right. So people should stick with us to get a little We're going to dive into this. Yeah. yeah. We'll get a little, get everybody a little free management coaching yep. out of the deal. <laughs> You're visiting here from... Berkeley, Cali. From Berkeley, California. It's a smart town. It is. A lot of colleges. It is a smart town, but this feels like home. I got to say, I get off the plane and I'm like, what are we doing? Where are you originally from? Westchester, New York. Westchester, New York. Before we get into this, we have to lay out a disclaimer, Paul. Go ahead and disclaim. Uh, Jen and I worked together for five years, six years at my old agency, Arc 90. That's how we got to know each other. But Jen has uh, ricocheted through life ever since and and she's doing some really interesting things now and that's why she's here today so now wait what did jen do with jen what did you do at arc 90 so here's what i did i went in for an interview for no job like really my yes. friend worked for you guys and said you're smart you should go work for arc 90 and i was like uh i can't even turn on a dell this is a problem. Like, why would I go work for a tech company? That alone is a hell of a statement. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> so I get there and they're like, hey, what do you what do you want to do at our company? I was like, I don't know. What do you do? And we talked a lot. And I, 
all I really remember was this one thing I wrote in the cover letter, which was, I'm not into technology necessarily yet, but if you want help making your company a community, I can help with that. And I think that's what started that combo. Yeah, I mean, just a, a brief insight into the, the deliberations when you came in. Like The partners in the firm were like, we're not sure what to do, but we really like her and she brings a good attitude to the place. Arc 90, for better or worse, it's kind of, was kind of a dark place a little bit. It was a little dark <laughs> when I used to go. I mean, physically dark. Physically dark. And these were just some pretty intense people that they weren't about, oh, I, I made banana bread. This, and and <laughs> a big part of that, <laughs> a big part of that, I think what's interesting, right? Like you started Arc 90. I got to know you maybe about halfway through the Arc 90 narrative. Yeah. And I think you started it in a certain place in your own life and it grew out of that. <laughs> That might be true. And then about, I think, halfway through, you were like, I think there might be more to life than this. <laughs> yeah. And like, you got married, you know, that's you right. started to, to sort of look at the sunshine more. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And maybe when Jen showed up, you were like, oh, sunshine. Literally, like, here's a person who is bright yeah. and connected, not sure what she's going to do. Let's take a gamble. Which is something, right? I mean, you there's no job wreck. Like, like come on in and we'll figure it out is a very strange thing right there's like there's no role usually there's a role a slot and then you go and interview for the slot and then you find people for the slot here it was like come in we'll figure it out but let me talk about what that means very tangibly for somebody who maybe is feeling that right now right like where should i go i am feeling maybe sunny right maybe i can offer a company what that tangibly meant was that i became a copywriter like that's what where that interview went it was like okay sure why don't you come in and write for our product website which honestly was super convenient because that's how I met my husband. So great. Good job, guys. Thanks for the matchmaking. Yes. And I started copywriting for the Kinling product website, which was super helpful because I was like a grandma. I was like, what do you mean yes. API? In fact, like some of our older colleagues remember that I used to have this posted on my monitor. What is air? What is rest? Which sounds really philosophical, except that they were all in caps, like air. Yeah, that's right. Air was the Adobe <laughs> technology and yeah. rest is... Uh, yeah, an yeah. API Restful. style. Yeah. yeah, which is you know I got to say when you pause and think that way, and you, uh, one of the things we took pride in at, at Arc is we we like the idea of demystifying stuff. Yeah, and speaking in plain English and not grabbing all sorts of buzzwords and acronyms and whatnot. So we like that at Postlight too. We do like that in Postlight. We love to cut through the bullshit well, and just go to the thing. We like to pull the rug out under from people who. Um, are giving you a lot of nonsense and buzzwords. It's yeah, fun. Yeah, that's that's a classic consulting move, right? Like, let me tell you how expensive I am by how confusing I can be. Right. And so. we actually work the other way. And Jen was a great sort of constant sort of monitor of that. If we drifted too far into fancy stuff, uh, she kind of reset us. So you did that for a bit. Yep. And then I accidentally started wireframing. Like, I would draw stuff on a board because I think sometimes late at night we would need QA people. Yes. So people are like, okay, you just stay and, like, you know, go in as a super user admin and yes. try these things. And at some point, I started drawing stuff on a board. Like, don't you think it should be first I would press that button and then I would get the drop down or these kinds of things? And that's when Rich one day backed up and said, um, do you want balsamic? Like, do you want some software for wireframing? And I didn't know what that word wireframing meant. Yeah. So I kind of say that I backed into becoming a UX designer because I was really just a grandma in the room who was like, what are you saying with those buttons over yeah. there? You know, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, but you gravitated towards that company, not towards many. You didn't go to a law firm. 
No, it's super right. true. It's you super wanted, true. You wanted to figure out what was going on in that world. It, and it was a loose place. Well, that's, there's also the thing, there's an right. indicator here, too, which is you find the loose place and you say, I'm available to do whatever and I won't be too expensive and I will work really hard. And that's a very powerful signal. I got to tell you, you don't see that a lot. You, no. you rarely you get a lot of sometimes uh, I'm not doing that. I'm this profession. Mm-hmm. So which is uh, I respect it. But also it, there's, you know, to bring humility and learn new things is really something because stuff that you think is below you is something you actually don't know how to do. And if you can add that to your list. That's a powerful thing. So the attitude and humility, you don't often see it, I have to say. This is where I want to make a plug for people who are studying languages in like liberal arts schools. The only reason I could like confidently and like, I don't know, exist in a boardroom those first few weeks at ARC without having a nervous breakdown was the fact that I had lived abroad and I had studied French. So I majored in French. And, you know, I've been, to, I've been to Italy and ordered a pizza without knowing Italian. You read body language. You learn to look at people. Oh, that person in the room is not so satisfied. This one I could trust, that kind of stuff. And that's all I would do in those first conversations. I'd sit in the boardroom and look at the diagrams of how insurance software was being built. Yep. And I just read the room. I didn't know what those words were, API, like any of that kind of stuff. Yep. But I could tell, okay, that person seems pretty confident, knows what they're doing. They're empathetic. Let me sort of side with that person. And that's what I always tell people when they're new to a job. You should be listening for your first three weeks. You're going to go in. There's going to be the loudest person. You're going to think that that's who you should attach yourself to. You have no idea whether that's secretly the person everybody hopes gets fired. You should be listening for <laughs> yeah. like three, four weeks in the beginning. That's a great piece of advice, actually. Listening is, is a lot. Like when we meet a prospect, we, we listen we want to draw as much information as we possibly can. I'm not interested in pitching you the greatness of Postlight for a bit. Yep. Uh, I want to understand what's up. You had a lot of different jobs, just that arc. Uh, and yeah. it wasn't even like career path. You went from copywriting to wireframing to QA to HR yeah, so to that's administrative. What, one day somebody comes to me in the Kindling office and is like, hey, Jen, so you like to talk to people? Do you want to run HR? By the way, let's point out Kindling was a, a oh, yeah, sp- okay. spun out startup from Arc90. But so ahead. I said, uh, no, I don't want to call it HR because I don't have a degree in that. But if we call it something else, I would love to do that, like hiring, recruiting, all that stuff. And so we called it Director of Employee Development, yep. which I super loved. And what I thought was going to be really fun was the hiring. It turns out hiring is a really boring problem. You have a fantastic person who works at your company. You have a great company. You think a lot about culture. And then they leave for like a weird reason you don't get. You're and saying then the, the reason the slot is open because the someone The slot becomes left. open because something happens, question mark. You're not yeah. sure. And then you have to spend a lot of money on job boards to find another great solid fit culturally. You have knowledge transfer, onboarding, blah, blah, blah. You lose time. You bring them in. And... That's a boring revolving door. So yeah. I got much more interested in the complex problem of retention, not hiring. Yeah. And that, I think, was a turning point for me mentally because I started thinking about, well, how can I have like really helpful conversations and listen to the people who currently work here? That's why I used to do coffee breaks on Fridays with yeah. people to hear what was going underneath you know, their thoughts. And every yeah. once in a while, you have somebody who's like, I want to leave because I want to start a yoga studio. And at that point, you say, cheers. Good yeah, job, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that can be fixed or can be cultivated, especially at small organizations where yeah. nobody has such a strict ladder, you know, yeah. where somebody could say, hey, you know, my background is development, but 
I kind of like the idea of managing or maybe yeah. I'm pretty organized and I could do product and, stuff. And the truth is many people, if there's a problem and let's say if it's a problem because of their, 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 a relationship with someone in the office, yeah, they don't talk. Uh, they just do. And that's a tricky thing. Sometimes you've got the sixth sense that you can pick up something's up and you say, hey, can we go take a walk? Mm-hmm. But very often you just get, you just don't know. And, and it's not in there personality or in their in their sort of experience to go and say all right listen we need to chat about this many people don't mm-hmm. uh, probably most don't uh, they just sort of stew with it and then you kind of get hit with it after the fact so and I, I think that's what really became evident in those coffee breaks is yeah. that sometimes people just need somebody to talk to yeah <laughs> they just need somebody to <laughs> say their piece to they vent yeah and then they just need needed me to look and say what do you think you should do? What is should, like? What does your gut tell you is the most powerful question on the planet? Humans know their shit. They know what's going on. Yeah. When somebody pointedly looks at you and says, what does your gut tell you? They almost certainly know what they need to do. There's just a lot of like societal barriers, shame, fear of embarrassment, stuff like that, fear of conflict, that they just don't say their piece. But sometimes if you just have a, I don't know, another person next to you who asks you that like direct question. Right. It's Leave a, the office. Give me three days. Coffee. You'll go do it. Once you identify that, you're going to go fix it yourself. Right. So speaking of retention, you quit Arc 90. <laughs> well, well, she did the yoga studio move. She, I remember where we were. You said, let's take a walk. We walked like down the street, got coffee. There's a little sort of courtyard in one of the apartment buildings. I remember exactly where this I'm was. I'm so touched you remember that conversation. Yeah, of course. And then, and then you started crying because you thought it was horrible betrayal. <laughs> And I was like, what's wrong, Jen? And I said, she said, I think I want to do my thing. And I'm like, you need to go do your thing. And I will help you stand your thing up. And whatever you need, let me know. I think it's great that you're ready to go do your thing. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. So I, when someone says, I want to go try the thing, I'm excited for them. Mm-hmm. There is someone else who also went and did their thing, Bill Smart, who yeah. actually... I said, I remember having a conversation with him, which was more like, every time you come into my office, you talk to me about your thing. Because we were kind of friendish, even though he worked at my company. And I said, you need to go do your thing. And please don't read this as me nudging you out of the company. This is what you love. And I think you should go give it a shot. And he left and he did his thing and he's doing well. And you went and did your thing. So describe your thing. Okay. So if I can just take a half step back, I just need to acknowledge that there was a life thing going on for me then, which is that I had postpartum depression with my first kid. And let me just be really honest and say that that brings a lot of questions to your brain. Like, why am I on the planet? What am I doing? You know, should I be home all the time with this kid? Do I get to go to work and have an income and have a schedule like that sort of stuff? And That led me to a little cafe on Court Street where I made a very long list of every job I've ever had, both volunteer and pay. And I wrote next to each job my favorite thing about it using like a little phrase with a verb. So maybe my work on a farm was like teaching kids how to shear a sheep, right? That's a true story. Can can we pause for a second? Yeah. Your self-awareness is kind of through the roof. Well, documented, right? Like you write it down. You write it down. Yeah. I have some puzzle about myself at this moment. I will go to a coffee shop with a notebook and I will make a list and yeah. I will calculate the verbs. Those are that's the word you and use. And you know, the reason that I say that is because there may be people listening to this who have no idea what their next step is. And what they think their next step is is a title. And that is bullshit. I will just tell you that. People say titles and they mean lots of different things by them. So, I think what I wanted to do, which is like 
a good echo of what I do. So you're in the coffee today. shop. You make this list. Yeah, is I you're... wanted to find out like what the hell do I want next, right? Yeah. And so the three most popular verbs on that list were leading, connecting, and writing. So I thought, cool. If I stay at ARC, I need to push for a role in which that is my focus. If I go to another company, I need to look for a role in which that is my focus. So you broke it down. Yeah. You're not looking for senior vice president exactly. of blah, blah, blah. I'm looking for verbs. What the hell do I want to spend my billable hours doing? Right. And the tiny scrap of an idea also existed that I tried to do something similar with what I was doing at ARC across the market, which was... The people stuff. Because you know what? Leadership teams do not go to therapy because the code is too hard. They go to therapy because they don't know how to say, I can't give you a raise this quarter. Or they don't know how to say, I'm sorry you're not getting along with that person, but you need to figure that out. Or, you know, those sorts of things. It's the people stuff that send people over the edge. And I thought, yo, that's my jam. I'm really good at that stuff. And I saw that there was space in the market to help at more of a level than just internally somewhere. So that's why I started Plucky. Okay, so led to our conversation. Yep, yep. We have coffee. You're ready to take the leap. You take the leap. It's a weird leap, right? It's a weird thing. Your feet don't just <laughs> land somewhere, do they? No. You're just sort of floating for a second. And, you know, I will take this time to tell a teeny story about how I saw Rich at my little boy's birthday party like a month in. And so I said to Rich, he said, yo, how's Plucky going? And I said, I don't have any sales yet. This is like maybe four or five weeks in. And he just laughed and he said, oh, Jen, you're not at that point point yet. He said, you're planting seeds. And that... Yeah, I love like four or five weeks. I mean... <laughs> I know, but guys, I'm very, you know, I'm ridiculous <laughs> with sometimes ambition. Yeah. And so I swear, I think of that probably twice a week. Mm. You're planting seeds. Because even though now I have a healthy business and it's running really well and I'm doing a lot of stuff that I just can't even believe is my day job... I still need to be planting seeds, right? Like that's called biz dev. And that was such a powerful metaphor for me to think through. And marketing sometimes feels like slimy and weird to me, but planting seeds does not. And I just always think of that. Yeah, it sounds beautiful. Like it does. tulips Please are write coming. a book. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes you plant seeds in something slimy and weird. And yeah. that's, that's, how you, <laughs> that's how you grow marketing. Okay, so what is Plucky? Yeah. So Plucky is, is a consulting firm that helps companies with their people. I think that's maybe the shortest way to say it. And so the, I come to you and I say, yeah. Jen, I have a problem with my people. Yeah. So, what uh, do you do next? Well, I don't say anything. Are I say, you an talk. HR consultant? Say, no. Okay. So This is an SEO problem for me, actually, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am not an HR consultant because I don't have a background in HR, and I cannot tell you how to get like employment insurance information for all your 28 states of right, employees, right? right? Yeah. But um, I wouldn't say anything. I would say, tell me, Paul. Like, tell me about your people. What's going on? And then you would describe things. And maybe I would say, it sounds like your leadership team could use some coaching because they haven't had management training. And so maybe we would rotate through every week for half an hour. I'd talk to somebody different on your leadership team, and we just keep going like that. And sometimes, like, that fits squarely with what I was saying earlier, where Sometimes people need to talk, but also sometimes people need to talk to somebody who's going to normalize what they're going through. Like, I'll be talking to somebody and say, can I just tell you that this whole week has been, for whatever reason, about underperformers? <laughs> like, let me reassure you that that's a problem for other managers, too. And mm -hmm. here's some ideas for how other people are handling that. Let's so dive the into this stuff. By, by example, right? Let's say um, you do a little analysis and you find that the leadership team could use some coaching. Half yeah. hour a week. And I'm one of the leaders now. Mm -hmm. Go. Like coach you? Yeah. How's work? Okay. What's going on? 
Um, it's going well. The team performs well. I'm having a little bit of trouble. Let me let me let me pluck a, a typical kind of situation. Uh, gaining um, the position and respect from the team. I was promoted two months ago. There's a great one. Promoted two months ago, and you're worried about the level of respect. We were five widget makers. Mm-hmm. The owners of the firm said, you're a very good one. You're now the leader of the widget makers. Yeah. And that's weird, and I'm struggling with it. So do you miss making widgets? I still make them, kind of. Yeah, you're still a little billable. I'm still, yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. But I'm also responsible, quote unquote, for my team. You're the first among widget makers. Mm-hmm. I'm the first among widget makers, yeah. So some of what you're going By through- By the way, I don't love this. You don't love the managing? I, I thought that was the right place for me to go. Right. But now a third of my time is the managing, and I like making the widgets. And I feel kind of bad about it a lot of the time. Like I'm not doing mm-hmm. a good job as a manager. I'm not doing a good job as a manager- And I know what I'm killer at. So let me pause and say one thing. You can always choose to go back to widget making. That is not a demotion. Uh, Managing widget makers is a kind of a new identity for you, right? It's a new currency. Instead of widgets, it's humans. (laughs) And that's a fundamentally different job, friendo. That is a different ballpark. So I will tell you that I'm maybe just giving you a giant permission slip, but like at any point you could decide this isn't really my jam. But if it is something you think you want to stick with, there needs to be a little bit of an identity shift for you. Does that right. resonate at all? Do you see that? That people need yeah. to see you differently? Well, let's go back to your first suggestion. You know what the, the thing about that suggestion is? It can't come from the company. Absolutely. Because you can't say, hey, why don't you go back to where you were? It's not a demotion. Yep. You just can't do it. So having an outsider have that conversation is, is pretty meaningful. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, it's really not. No, it's and, not. And, and how do you explain it? Because they all they do is see the ladder. That's what they see and, and see progress, like professional progress for them. There was an old engineer who I used to, used to work with who used to say, you know, if I get too good at what I do, I won't do it anymore. Mm. Uh, that's a weird thing, right? Because if you think about it, the best managers aren't the best engineers or the best designers or the best whatever, right? Because it's a very different role. No, but they fact. think they should be. And I always, I have a lot of well, clients. Well, money's who, tied to it. Let's be real, oh, right? Yeah. Usually it's more money. Usually it's more uh, stature if you're into that. But I will say like people worry that they're going to like phase out of tech. They're going to like lose their Python skills. They're going to, you know, all that sort of thing, whatever the the weeds were of what their former job was. They're, yeah. they're like, I'm going to be not as good or not, you know, best on the team of that. And I say, that is not what needs to happen. I could literally manage a team of developers. I'm not the CTO. I'm not going to make technical choices. But my framing of what a manager is, is you're more of a coach. You're like guiding those people. Yeah. You're figuring out, well, hang on, what's your deal at and work And do today? you love that? And do you love that? And right. sometimes that's really authentic. And yeah. I know like one company, when you come in, you self-identify as I want to be on a mentorship track or I want to be on an expertise track, which means that at some point along the way, if I choose mentor, yeah, I'm interested in managing. And maybe those people were like RAs in college or, you know, the oldest of three kids or like those sorts of life things. Or maybe they say, I want to go the expertise track, at which point they become somebody who speaks about Python or, you know, goes to conferences, tweets about it, those sorts of things. But point being that at that organization, from moment one, when you are there, you self-identify not, I want to be promoted to manager, but that that's kind of part of me. You're touching on something really, really meaningful here, which is hierarchy 
is the only paradigm in companies. It's it busted. Is, it's it's all there is, right? And and doing good means you go up the hierarchy. And the truth is it's way more complex than that. And the truth is the role changes and the responsibility changes as you go up the hierarchy. Nobody bothers to stop and say, does this fit in with what makes me feel good, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let me tell you a quick story. So, you know, when, when I got to director of employee development, I started doing performance reviews at ARC, right? And uh, we had a young designer who was right out of college who was killing it. And the first year for performance reviews, I said, what do you want to do in the next year? And he said, I want to be creative director. And that was a super weird thing to say because we didn't have <laughs> titles. And right. also he was like 23. Right. And there were a lot more people kind of ahead of him, quote unquote, in line to do that. So I kind of just gave him the best <laughs> advice I could. I was like, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> then the second year comes by. Same thing. Killing Says it. Says the same thing. Says the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. And we get to the third year and he says, I want to be creative director. And the third year I started listening and I said, what does creative director he mean He truly to you? was killing it though. He was killing it. He, this Super guy uniform. saw where he was. Super going uniform. To, yeah. So anyway, when I asked him what that meant to him, he wasn't able to say these words, but it, he was talking about authority, vision, respect, opportunity to mentor, that shit I can work with. So I got him like an intern that summer to report to him, right? So he could test that before he decided I'm going to go into the management track, right? And so what I'm saying is sometimes we don't have language for these things. We say titles for a shortcut, and then you need somebody who can really parse out what you are saying. You know, this is huge because when someone says this, and sometimes we do get approached and say, I should be this, we view it as a crisis. The management team gets together and like, what do we do? I, we yeah, don't want to upset like an ultimatum, the person. They're right. very talented. It's crisis. And the breaking down of it like that, I think, is something that just doesn't come to mind in terms of management. You this know? is what I'm talking about. Everybody gets very paralyzed by this aspect of conflict. But really, what you should do when something really intimidating walks in your room, you should get psyched. You should thank it as an opportunity to listen and say, tell me more things. Don't respond at all. Just let them talk. They will lead you to where they want to go. You will understand what the value is of that title to them. Sometimes it's literally that like their dad always dreamt of that for them. (laughs) At which point you can then talk about, you know, how's your dad? (laughs) How can we make your dad proud? You know, like those sorts of conversations. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, just to push back a second. Sometimes people just are into status and are into more money. Yeah. What if they just say that? It's like, look, man, I want to be the shit and I want more money. That is I'm smarter than everybody. Super helpful data point as their manager because now you know what motivates them. Right. And there may be a certain point in their work tenure with you where that doesn't fit anymore. Yeah. And that might mean a departure. If those are sole motivators, you've got a bit of a challenge, right? Potentially. Well, if you got money coming in, you're good. They're killing it. If they're killing it, they're killing killing it. And look, that's the sort of person who very clearly will stand up one day and go, not getting it here. Going to go. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Sometimes they're killing it. The key Sometimes is, the person is just not where they think they are. Right? Well, that's everybody. Everybody in the world. Everybody in the world <laughs> deserves a promotion. right? Like, and, and that's just life. But what I think with that is you get in trouble when that person is... Killer. Res- well, when they're... No. When they're killer, that's actually great because you're like, it's a transactional relationship. And they're... Yep. they're I we'll will say, there. I think one big difference between ARC and Postlight is a post site is very discipline focused. So the, fo- the people come here and what we encourage them to do is get really, really good in their discipline. 
rather than simply be loyal to Postlight and the Postlight ethos. You should be focused on being the best engineer, the best designer, and the best product manager you can. And our responsibility to you is to deliver challenging work that lets you level up. And then we build the business on top of and that. And then avenues to level up. That's right. Like, that's right. And that's, so you, that's you, the mission. You can measure us and you can measure them very yeah. clearly. You can say, like, is this the best engineering team? Is this the best design team? Is this the best product management team? And are we delivering the right kind of work? And you're always going to fall short. Always. Yeah, right. But you can look at that gap. And that has been very, very helpful as a framing mechanism because it's gotten us out of some of those loyalty-based dynamics mm-hmm. and some of the, like, do they love post-light enough questions, yeah. which are very dangerous, I yeah. think. Yeah. Let me tell you, my simple paradigm for what I think work is, is like two sides of a circle or two sides of, I don't know, I need a better metaphor for a this. coin? Kind of. Not really. Well, whatever. Two things that connect, right? A hockey puck? <laughs> I, I used an Easter egg in a recent blog post, and I think I sounded like a lunatic. Oh, like but, a you plastic know. <laughs> Easter egg. Yeah. That's a very mom or dad I thing know. to say, Well, it right? was right after Easter. No, exactly. I put. I had to put so many jelly beans in so many Easter right? eggs. Yeah. And then that click happens, right? So oh, and you here's run around the, the house. Oh, it's weird. I don't know what you're talking the about. Bunny. You, well, yeah, you didn't put any jelly beans in no. plastic. No. We would just boil them. And then put parsley in it. It would no, turn I green. No, I spent like an hour and a half. We like to recycle the the eggs. Okay. And use them year to year, and then okay. you hide them around the house. Oh and, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Totally. All right. Anyway, point is, click. I think you've got one side, which is an employee who has a skill set and a hunger for something, and on the other side, you have a workplace which has a budget and also has a need. And if those things line up, click. That's the right hire. Right. Okay. Now, the problem with humans and companies is that they keep evolving. Ah, freaking annoying humans. Right. So at some point, that human is going to be more interested in a different skill or want to push deeper into something. Right. And that's that's going to unclick for a second. Right. And if the company is fine with that and can absorb that evolution, then click your back. And that's called retention. Right. To con- make sure you have channels of communication that make sure things keep clicking. At a certain point, one side or the other may decide that they need something that they're not getting with the other side. And that's just a departure. So that might mean the person quits or the company lets them go. And it's there's no poison in that. It's just a very authentic moment of mismatch. Yeah, I where, can't get you what you're looking for. Exactly. Or you can't get me what I'm looking and for. And that's why I really used to push at ARC towards the end for that concept of alumni, ARC 90 alumni, right? Which is that when you leave here, nobody's mad at you. Yeah. It's that you move into a different circle where things just weren't working out yeah. anymore. That's tough. It's, it, it is it, tough. You try for it, Absolutely. but it's tough, right? Absolutely. There's a lot of... It works in big consulting firms. It yeah. works a few places. It's yeah. very hard to pull off at a small level. Yeah, yeah. Um, where there's a lot of personal lot of, dynamics. That's right. It's true. But honestly, if you have healthy communication all along the way, I could have always predicted the next three people that were going to quit. I just knew it. Because I watched those humans. You could see somebody had a breakup and they were no longer tied to New York. So that was an opportunity that's for life, big, right? Yeah. Like all that kind of stuff. You just, if you know those humans, I think you can watch for that. I was yeah. never surprised by anybody flipping a table and quitting. Uh, we're we're close to running out of time, so I want to talk about a couple of other things. Um, Let's do it. Uh, so Plucky's doing well. Plucky's uh, great. It's effectively you're a one person consulting I'm a one firm? person shop. Shop. You know the thing is, after you get married, everybody's like, "When are you going to have a baby?" After you start a business, everybody says, "When are you going to hire?" That's yeah, the thing. That's funny. And so for the last almost four years, have you thought have, about it? I've, I had an assistant about a year and a half ago. Then other Full-time? stuff happened. No, she was part time. But you don't you don't see getting more people to actually go and do. So the I don't know. I don't see. I don't think that Plucky is headed towards a whole team of coaches. I think Plucky is going to be a movement. That's what I believe. I believe in um, something that 
Well, maybe I'll lay it out like this. You have accountants and you have salespeople. They share currency money, right? But you would never confuse those personalities. Right. You have HR and you have what I'm about to hopefully release to the world, which is that concept of employee development. Yeah. And I think those are different personalities, although they're kind of all like shoved into HR right now. And I want a movement of employee development. I want companies who are um, thinking about the currency of humans in a very fundamentally is it a role? different way. They should... If you're oh, big yeah, enough, sure. you should hire for it. In fact, that's sometimes my work is helping an organization find somebody. It's usually like an office manager. It's the person that everybody cries to. Like Paul, when you were talking earlier, I thought, God, he totally could have turned into nobody a director cry. of Vemp Dev. Yeah. Nobody People. cries to you because you're just going to blink and look at them. <laughs> I. What can you do? This is me. Um, People cry to you, Paul? Not so much anymore. Mm. Yeah, there's power dynamics. There. Yeah, that, yeah, it's not a comfortable thing. But when I was, when I'm at someone's level yes people people are pretty transparent with me yeah you know you nice you just just warm eyes right now the only person who would cry to me at post light would be you That's all right so let's good. continue well Jeff. let me just say actually rich um i also think about the fact that you know i was a very low person on the totem pole at arc but I remember the times when I got your attention. It was when we were stuck in traffic on the Verrazano Bridge going to a client. And we had like long conversations about life and stuff. And so I would just like to say for people that career path moments are not always in an office. Sure. They are. And I also don't want to say they're always at happy hours because that's very limiting for people yeah. who have kids and don't drink and all those sorts of things. They're also not the place. You end up not talking always. about hockey and movies. Yeah. And th I mean, that can like raise a social level yeah. to a, a relationship but it was a happy hour when know. i found out that jen was involved with one of the best engineers arc 90 <laughs> ever hired actually one of the most talented engineers i've ever worked with and you know arc was this sort of cold dark place but it, it, love grew someone found light someone found light <laughs> at, at arc and i just want to say that you know people have this you know well i'm not going to say it whatever um Thank you. My I'm glad story. we got stuck in traffic on the Verrazano Bridge. Me too. And because you found out that I'm not a cold-blooded capitalist. No, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody was weeping in that car, but it sure was a moment where I thought, holy it's crap, out of the setting. I'm stuck it's with like, great... the CEO. I'm going to ask him about his life. And I learned so much about you and yeah. your family and, and vice versa. And I think that those Which moments demystifies are... a lot, right? Yes. Just... And I think you trusted me differently after yeah. those times, I right? You knew true. where I was coming from. and. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't like trap your CEO in a car and hope that that helps your career path. But right. I will say that those strange moments can really be powerful in relationships. Right. That's called kidnapping. Just to Look, here's what, here's what I would say at a meta level with that, right? It's that you went into ARC and you said, let me be useful, Jen. Let me just like, right. let me find a path here. And you sat down with Rich eventually in a car and he knew you were useful. And you guys sort of opened up and talked a little bit. And he then had a better model of you. He was just like, oh, I get her a little more now. And that makes it easier for him to help you. It makes it easier for him to say, mm. you should talk to Jen about that. Well said. Right. And that, that is the dynamic you want. It's less about like getting the attention and just making sure that they know like where you're trying to go. And it's, it's sometimes as a, as a boss, you need to be asking and sometimes you need to be listening and sometimes you need to just monitor all the Slack channels. Yeah. But, um, there's no like outcome to what I'm saying here. I'm just sort of like, there is a dynamic there, which I, it's not like getting in the car with the boss and getting their ear. Cause that can often be really bad and exhausting depending on the boss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's much more about like, do they know what I want? 
Yeah. Yeah. And wow, way to hit that on the head because nobody knows what they want. Right. That is the thing. If you know what you want, you will probably get it because you are so focused and directed. And I will say that it is okay if you don't know long-term what you want, if you haven't calculated your verbs, but you just know what you want next. Right? Should That's everyone go out know. right now and calculate their verbs? Yes, you should. And then you should come to work tomorrow and freaking ask for your three verbs. Like, find a way to make that tangible in the situation you're in, the environment you're in. I, whenever people say they want to, they're thinking about quitting their job, I say, don't quit. Right now, you make a bucket list of everything you could get out of that job before you left. Maybe there's a colleague you always wanted to work with. Maybe there's a skill set you wanted to develop, a client's office you wanted Is to see. Is this the place for you? I'm pull just, some of the, it, it oh, may be empty. it is. For sure it is. You can get anything out of anywhere if it's vague. I don't want to say vague enough, but general enough. If you're just like, I want to practice responsibility a little bit more before I leave, right? Because I want one more line on my resume before I leave. Do that. Don't flip a table and quit because you are losing an opportunity to leverage a lot of stability, people you know, and all that kind of stuff. Right. So you make that list and right. then you get that stuff. And then often if you like start raising your hand for those things before you leave, that's actually a retention moment and you don't leave because you realize that you had the power and the control to ask for things and they came your way. And regardless, that's good for all parties. You're leaving on absolutely. a high note. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're saying, I'm going to give this another try. I, I, It could be both sides. It could be me. It could be them. I'm going to do this thing. And if that works out, great. And if not, I'm on my way out, but I've done it. I did the best job. It's, I could. Exactly. And it's, it's less contentious and yeah, a little very smoother. graceful. Yeah. Um, so what do you got going on? Mm. Okay, so my first Google Doc that I ever started with Plucky's email was a doc called So Now You're a Manager because I used to approve budget for like developer conferences and design conferences, but I used to watch these people get promoted out of code and pixels into humans and there was no training for them. And so I made an outline of a course that I wanted to teach called So Now You're a Manager. And now almost four years later, I'm doing it. I'm doing a mini conf in Brooklyn this summer, June 28th, 29th. And uh, where it's at 61 local, which is a great bar, okay. and they have an event space upstairs. It's awesome. You're doing it in a bar. I know it's That's my great. old hood. Which neighborhood is this in Brooklyn? Cobble Hill. Cobble Hill. Okay. Yeah, and so I'm gonna teach managers for two days. Very cool. And tickets are for sale. And I. Wait, where are they for sale? They're for sale on my website, actually. Which is? Beplucky.com okay, so, slash manager. So I am a recently appointed manager, and I'm a little perplexed about my life. Yeah. I should go to beplucky.com or, right now. Or I'm a company, and I want to encourage Absolutely. my managers. Yeah. In fact, okay. I would say to go. definitely either direction, but like, if you're a leadership team and you have just promoted a manager... Be responsible. <laughs> Give this person some training because see you in T minus six months with a major weird, I don't know, social problem on your hands, you know, like the widget guy, right? Like if you're promoted out of widgets, yep. let's just talk about some of that skill set because that's not bullshit. That's a real thing and could mean the success or not success of that promotion. Very cool. And it's um, a, is it all day, two days? All day, two days. Okay. So two days of your life and you get a good reset. You understand... Uh, you, you're able to transition a little bit from widget maker to widget maker manager. Totally. Plus, it gives you a peer network of other people that are going through that. Sure. So if you need to have a coffee someday and say, oh, my God, how did you handle this? You're going to get that. And it's at a bar. And it's, and at, it's a bar. at a bar. So it's two days at a bar. It's two long days <laughs> at a bar. Talking about management. Let's do and this. And I'm really friendly. All right. Now I want to go. Partly to be in a bar for two days and <laughs> partly to uh, to level up my management skills because I could always use that tune up. Um, thank you for coming on the show. 
This Thank was really you. cool. Thank Very you so cool. much. I have to say that um, sometimes you don't know what you think until someone asks you. And it's very lonely to run your business by yourself. And I love opportunities to talk about it because it helps me remember what I'm doing. Damn. I know. All right. How do you respond to that? Great seeing you, Jen. Thank you. You're in, you're in Berkeley, but you're, you hop into I'm New York. I'm everywhere. So let's see you whenever you're in New York. Thank you. So you've been listening to Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio. I am the co-founder of Postlight. My name is Paul Ford. I'm also the co-host of Track Changes. And I'm Rich Ziotti, the other co-founder and co-host. Let's Thank get out of here. so much. Uh, rate us five stars on iTunes. And if you need anything, send an email to hello at postlight.com. We love your emails. Yes, we do. See you soon. Have a great week. 